You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to the February edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Woo-hoo! My name is Stacey, and I'll be filling in for Shane, and I'm so excited about today's topic as we are getting to talk about the meantime. G'day, mate. <laughs> I'm sure if you're listening right now, you probably realize that wasn't Shane. Shane is uh, not with us today, but he'll be back next month. And Stacy from Australia is hosting this podcast. And the main reason we ask her to host this podcast, other than she's an awesome person, is because Australians have cool accents. That's so right. if you're if you're in Australia right now, listening to this podcast, hit me up with a hashtag I love Stacy. Hashtag oh. I love Stacy. I'll send you a free copy of Unleash and Overwhelm signed. All right, go, Stacey. That's awesome. As we kick into today, um, I'm sure most of those listening know or have experienced a meantime, whether that's in a ministry setting and they're believing for a vision and that's yet to be fulfilled or a personal one and they're waiting on, you know, their spouse to come along or maybe a couple waiting on having a child. So I think, Perry, as we enter 2015 with these renewed passions and dreams and and hopes and callings, um, before they become a reality, we're in this waiting period, this meantime. So if Mm -hmm. we're going to be leaders that last and leaders who do all that God's called us to do, we need to learn how to navigate ourselves and our teams through the meantime. So in saying that, could you please define this phrase or this season of being in the meantime and what you believe it is? Being in the meantime. So it's kind of like um, when you're landing a plane and you know the plane's about to come in for a landing, but you get put in a holding pattern. And I don't like holding patterns. No, no leader really enjoys them. But it's it's kind of like God's holding pattern for us. So we're not quite landing yet. We can see the runway, but it's going to be a little while before we get there. And the frustrating thing about a holding pattern is you don't know how long a holding pattern is. For example, um, I knew people asked me, when did you know you were going to start New Spring Church? And the answer to that is the fall of 1996. And they're like, well, when did you start New Spring Church? And I said, the fall of 1999. So for three years, I was in this um, in the meantime thing. And so it was, it was God clearly told me what I was going to do in 1996, but he didn't let me do it for three years. And, and the reason he does that, and I'm sure we'll get into this later on in the podcast, but the reason he does that is he allows us a time of preparation um, during that time. And he's preparing us because sometimes God calls us, but doesn't release us because to do so wouldn't be a gift to us. It, it would be a it'd be a curse that's right so for you the purpose of the meantime which i guess is moving on to the next question the purpose of the meantime is mainly preparation for some people it's preparation for some people um it's to learn discipline um i love i love 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 as a and i'm sure every leader um church leader listening to this podcast loves the book of nehemiah and it's just um a great book on what happens when a leader um, dedicates to a vision um, because, and this was pointed out to me recently. I didn't, I didn't even recognize this. There's no miracles in the book of Nehemiah. Like God doesn't magically rebuild the wall. Like He gave ne- the miracle was He gave Nehemiah the vision, I guess. But when Nehemiah got to Jerusalem, um, the Bible, I think, is in chapter two, talks about how he walked around the city and he just kind of inspected everything. And what the meantime allows us to do is to kind of walk around and make sure that things are ready, that we're ready. For, for example, going back to 1996, I didn't know when I was going to start the church. I didn't know how, but I went ahead and started reading 
books by people that had actually grown churches and started preparing, well, if, if we did have a church, what would it look like? And if we did have, you know, bylaws, what would they look like? And if we did have a, a membership class, what would it look like? And so when it came time to launch the church, the work had already been done. Um, I just I, I just prepared for it while I was in the meantime. Yeah, that's great. And so for those people who have been in that preparation phase and have been in this waiting period for a long season of time, you know, how can they be sure and how can we be sure that what we're waiting on is what the Lord really wants for us? You know, one of the most beautiful things I've discovered in following Jesus is that He makes everything clear in His time. Um, I don't I don't love the fact that uh, that I don't know everything immediately, but I think God does that to us, um, or I think God does that for us to remind us that we're not in control. Um, I'll think He'll give us those in the meantime moments, like, uh, for example, in a ministry, if your ministry is growing and you're reaching a lot of people, and then you hit this plateau stage where you kind of plateau or maybe even back down, it's not a time to go into freakout mode. It's a time to uh, what I call go back to Nehemiah, inspect the walls. I mean, I mean, take a look around, take a look at your systems, take a look at your personnel, take a look at your vision, take a look at your um, processes, and make sure that you're moving forward um, in the best possible way. Um, it's it's in the meantime is not a time of punishment; it's time of preparation. Yeah. yeah, wow. That's great. And so obviously in the meantime, we're not just standing still. We're not just being immobile, like we're moving, we're moving ahead, as you said. So how can we manage that tension of waiting on the Lord to act versus acting in our own strength? All right. Well, let me switch that question on you, Stacey. So you're how old? 24. 24, and you're single. Yes. Okay. So how are you? <laughs> Shout out. Yeah, you didn't know, you didn't know this was coming. Oh, this is fun. How, how are you navigating that tension? Because... Uh, you're, you know, you're single. Obviously, you want to meet a great guy, get married one day. Um, so how are how are you navigating that tension right now as a single female? And there might be some single female leaders listening to this who like, I want a husband. Uh, so I don't see you running around screaming that, but you're obviously in that waiting period. So how do you navigate it? I trust the Lord. I think that's the foundation is that I trust the Lord that whenever He's going to bring that gift into my life, that's up to Him. It's not for me to decide. But in the meantime, I'm definitely um, being open to whatever the Lord has for me, whether that's someone asks me out on a date and I'll say yes, if I think that they are a suitable um, companion. If not, I'll probably say no. But I And just, you have said no. I, I, I know for a fact <laughs> you've told some guys around here no. I have. Anyways. Moving on. Um, so in You're, the meantime, if, if you can't see right now, Stacy's <laughs> really red. red. This is awesome. This is awesome. Uh, but yeah, I just trust the Lord that He has a perfect time for that gift. And so in the meantime, I'm just trying to be faithful to do whatever it is that He's called me to do, and to do that a hundred percent. Because knowing that as a single person, I have opportunities and I have time that I probably won't have when I'm married and when I'm a mom. So I'm just trying to make the most that I most of the time that I am while I'm single. But also trusting that you know soon, hopefully that the Lord will bring that person into my life and then I'll figure it out from there. They may be listening to this podcast. They may hashtag I love Stacy. Actually, <laughs> if they do that, they're probably freak. You should block them. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah really. <laughs> There's some weird people out there. Uh, going back to that, going back to what you asked me, though, it's it's one of those situations where when, when um, in the meantime, it can also be uh, what I describe the pause season where God pauses something or you're just, you feel like you're on cruise control. And I mean, I remember when I used to get in those seasons, I would get so frustrated because I felt like I was being disobedient. 
I mean, I just felt, I, I, I'm disobeying God. I'm disobeying God. And I remember realizing one day and just reading through the scriptures that I'm not disobeying God unless he's clearly told me to do something and I've clearly said no. So wh- I always tell people if they feel like they don't know what's next, just go back to what you mm, know God great. told you, the last thing God clearly told you, and just keep doing that. Because at the end of the day, Nobody wants us to get it right more than God wants us to get it right. Nobody wants our churches to grow more than God wants our churches to grow. And over time, through His grace and through His mercy um, and through His process, He will show us the next steps we need to take. And that's just, that's easy to say, Mm -hmm. um, but it's hard to live out. And uh, it's just one of those things you got to tell yourself every day as a leader. Yeah, that's great. Changing the tune a little bit is a question regarding church growth. So what should a pastor or a ministry leader do when a growth plateau takes passion away from their staff and their volunteers? Well, one of the one of the things to do is not freak out. Um, if you're a pastor, we're going to talk about this at the intensive. And uh, if you ever get a chance to come to an intensive in the future, I would encourage this. Um, it's full. The one for um, March is full. But uh, one of the things I love to do is walk pastors through how to calendar for the the church year. So pastors and church leaders, um, if you'll go study your your numbers, and we've got numbers here at New Spring all the way back from August of 2001. That's when we started. um, I mean, we sort of counted every week, but this is when I began to write it down. And uh, it you know, you'll have attendance flows and you'll have ebbs and flows in attendance. So January and half of February is always going to be up. Um, It's always going to be good. And you're going to feel like, man, I'm really knocking it out of the park as a leader. Um, End of February and March, you're going to drop by about 20%. And there's some reasons, you know, you got spring breaks or whatever. But Easter is kind of like that natural momentum builder that God gave us um, especially, I mean, Easter in America is pretty big. Uh, I understand it's most European countries, maybe Australia, it's not as big of a deal as Christmas, right? Christmas would be the yeah, big deal. Christmas is the biggest. Yeah, but um, so it's it's like one of those things. So when you get into a season where you feel like you're losing momentum or you're losing attendance, it might just be the season that you're in. It might be June. From June to August, you're going to be down 20% every week. It, it's just standard across the board. If it's raining very heavy, especially here in South Carolina, if it's raining heavy, go ahead and take 10% off your average attendance. 10% of your people aren't going to come. And so we can, we can uh, if you live week to week by the numbers, then you'll die week to week mm, by the numbers. So good. don't study week to week. Study season to season. And that's one of the things. Um, the other thing is if you're a leader and you've lost momentum and your staff is feeling it and your volunteers are feeling it, um, don't don't be. I heard a leader just uh, use this term recently, and I loved it. Don't be a rainbow puking unicorn. Um, in other words, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. No, 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 no. If something, if people have stopped coming, or people have stopped giving, or people have stopped serving, there's a reason. And a leader doesn't den- deny the problem; they they deal with it. I think wow. one of the reasons that a lot of churches um, and a lot of businesses don't turn the corner is because they're unwilling to make the hard decisions. They know the hard decisions they need to make. They just refuse to make those decisions because they're hard. So when you're in a in the meantime moment, that that might be um, God giving you the opportunity to be a leader and make a really, really, really tough decision. Only uh, very, very 
it's not very often that you'll come out of it in the in, in the meantime moment without God significantly impacting or changing something in your life or your ministry. Wow! So that's why he I, that's why I think those times are a blessing. Awesome, that's great. So obviously, we're not the only ones that experience the meantime. The people in our churches do, and the people on our teams do. So how can we manage that tension? Obviously, we need to be aware of the natural ebbs and flows of the calendar year. Mm-hmm. So how can we manage that tension of working really hard as well as being content in all situations? Yeah. So it's kind of like um, going back to the season thing. One of the things I love about the Bible, and it took me years to realize this because we live in a very technology-driven culture is every reference to any type of spiritual growth in the scriptures is always agricultural um, because they didn't have technology, but everybody in that society understood agriculture. And so if you um, have ever, did you ever grow a garden? Yeah, I know y'all have gardens in Australia, but did you ever grow one? My mom did, I did. Your mom did? What'd she grow? Herbs. Herbs? (laughs) Is it herbs or herbs? We say herbs. Okay, y'all are probably right. Um, Anyway... (laughs) I, I remember growing a, a garden when I say I, I didn't do it, but my dad did it. But I remember, you know, you work real hard planting. I mean, there's a sowing season. And in sowing season, you work real hard. And you have to sweat and you have to, you know, till the garden or whatever. And then um, you've got the waiting season. But during the waiting season, you don't go in your house and ignore it. You go and you work the garden. You You make sure all the weeds are out. You make sure that it's taken care of. You make sure you put, you know... Pesticide on it, um, unless you're organic, then you let all the bugs kill everything you got. But um, you need to put pesticide on it, and then you, if you planted a lot of seed, you're going to have to reap a lot of harvest, and so that's a lot of work too. So one of the things that we've got to understand in ministry is we're always called to work hard. Um, we're never called. Uh, we're never called to just now. Now I'm not saying don't rest and all that other stuff, but ministry is hard work. I remember having a staff meeting several years ago, and I remember saying the phrase, stop freaking telling me that your work is hard. You stepped into ministry. That's like a soldier on the front line complaining that somebody shot a bullet at you. You're going to get shot at. It's going to happen. But just understanding, hey, we're in a sowing season, we're in a waiting season, we're in a reaping season, and embracing that season and figuring out how how to work correctly within those seasons. Yeah, wow. So as well as embracing those seasons, how can we safeguard ourselves to the temptations and the bad attitudes and the things like that that will crop up in that time of the waiting period? Yeah, so there's there's a few temptations that you will fall for during the waiting period. Um, the first temptation is to slack off. Uh, well, you know, I, I'm you know just going to kind of take it easy because nothing's going on here anyway. The second temptation, though, and this is the one that's really, really, really dangerous, and it doesn't just happen in ministry. It happens in marriage. It happens in um, business relationships. It's when things begin to level out, you begin to put your eyes in other places. So, like, that's why marriages go bad is because – they, they hit a plateau, and instead of focusing on one another, they'll focus on other people. Um, that's, why, that's what happens in ministry when it, when it hits a plateau, and I'm guilty of this. I know a lot of times as a leader, I've thought, we've hit a plateau. I probably need to quit, or I probably need to go to another church, or I probably need to get out of ministry altogether. Um, I probably need to throw in the towel. And that's what happens in a lot of those in-the-meantime moments because as a leader, when our organization or church plateaus— we tend to take it personally, 
And um, and there is an element there where we should take it personally because we're the leader. But once again, I think too many times we let um, we let our personality and our attendance numbers kind of intertwine, and or the offering uh, we we let those intertwine. And so if attendance is up and the offering's up, we feel really great. If attendance is down and the offering is down, we we feel really horrible. But reality is that God's still the same. Um, whether you know those things are up and to the right or down and, and to the right, and so I think during those times, um, we've got to resist the temptation to begin to look elsewhere. Um, I'm not sure how it is in Australia, but I'll tell you how it is primarily here in the southeastern part of the United States. I read a survey one time. Don't email in, in and ask me for the this survey. I don't remember where I read it, um, and so I needed to say that because a lot of people are going to email in. Uh, but I read a survey one time that said the average uh, stay for a Southern Baptist pastor is about 22 months um, at, a, at a given church. And I know, I know guys, I went to seminary with guys, and they traveled around with resumes in their briefcase. So they're at a church, but they were always looking. And what tends to happen is when a you know, ministry leader, church leader, pastor goes into a church, they go through a honeymoon period where everything's great and everything's awesome, and then they'll hit a plateau, and they'll automatically start looking for other places to go. That's why I think today, especially in America, there's very few um, people that are consistent in ministry. I think longevity is the key to a successful ministry. And as a pastor, church leader, your people don't start trusting you for three until about three years especially in an established church, because they've seen pastors come, they've seen pastors drop vision, they've seen pastors ran off or leave them for greener pastors, right? And so so I think one of the things we've got to do is, and that's one of the things I challenge our staff to, is, listen, I'm not asking you to write your name in blood, but I'm asking you, you know, if you've got any other thoughts or intentions, um, I want you to go do those things, because I want to know at the end of the day, I've got people on my team who I've got their back, and they've got mine. Yeah, wow. And I know you mentioned that 22 months is the average span for a pastor in this area. And I know in Australia, it's 12 months for a youth pastor, and that's the expected you know, duration of their ministry time. So what would you say to a young pastor, say a youth pastor, um, wherever he or she may be, what would you say to them if they're not seeing the fruit that they're hoping for within those 12 months and they're thinking about tagging out? What do you cling to? What's the hope that keeps you going in ministry when things aren't appearing the way that you would want them to be? Well, student ministry, the, the same, I read the same survey, the one that I do not recall, um, and it said the average stay for a student pastor in America was 17 months. And, excuse me, I had to burp. One of the things that, don't edit that out, that was awesome. I didn't do it out loud, though. Um, could you hear that, Josh? Okay, good. You'll pray for Josh, hashtag. Uh, what was it? Oh, yeah, youth pastor. So, so the youth, youth pastor, it takes about three years, once going back to that three-year thing, it takes about three years for your student to trust you. And so I think the reason so many student ministries across the United States are in shambles is because a kid can enter student ministry in sixth grade, and by the time they graduate, they had six different um, student leaders, student mm-hmm. pastors, whatever. Um, it's hard to really get something going, especially if the key to a successful student ministry is relationships. You got to have great programming, yes, but you got to have great relationships. Um, I think one of the reasons our few student ministry has been so solid for so long is Brad Cooper has yeah. been here doing it 
you know, since 2007. Here we are seven years in. He is the, he's a phenomenal student mm-hmm. pastor, and he knows he's called to the next generation. And so a lot of youth pastors, um, and if you're a youth pastor listening to this, if you want to plant a church, plant a church. But don't plant – I mean, I mean, dedicate to your students and, and really pour into them. Um, I, I, did, I did two youth ministries. I did one for two and a half years, and I did one for six years. And the one that I did for six years, I still have relationships with a lot of those students and have seen them – grow and flourish in their relationship with Christ. So this uh, it, it, it goes back to longevity. It goes back to longevity. Good people that put good effort and work really hard and love Jesus and love people over the long haul, I think they'll see some great things happen. Wow, yeah. I needed to hear that, so I'm sure everyone listening did too. And let me ask you this, Perry. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the meantime, as I'm sure some people aren't listening that they feel the same you know i'm not patient or i become frustrated or i become discouraged because i'm not seeing what i would want to see um and so what are some practical things we can do in the meantime to keep our eyes and our attention focused on jesus and to not tag out early so what are some practical things you do to stay in the game well right here we could go incredibly spiritual and i could say pray um but hopefully you're doing that anyway um but if not it's a great chance to get that cranked back up it's real good ah when i hit it in the meantime moment Personally, when I when I hit one or I feel like our church is in one, I always try to figure out what it is that we're stalled in, and then I go and try to figure out who the expert is in that subject, and I try to learn from them as much as possible. So, for example, um, we've been doing this, you know, 14 years, and one of the things that I haven't figured out yet um, I haven't really put my finger on is is the whole giving thing. And if you're a church leader, you struggle with what in the world, you know, how do we get people to give? And, you know, people have money, but they don't give, and they must not love Jesus. And that's not the case. It's not that they don't love Jesus. It's they don't know how to give or why to give or, you know, where to give or whatever. And so I felt like about, I think it was about a year or so ago, I felt like we had a plateau at our church where I felt like I've said everything I know to say and some things aren't working and so, and I've talked about them before, um, givingrocket.com. Is it givingrocket.com? Is it .com? Um, Casey Graham and those guys down at givingrocket.com. I bought every one of their videos, um, which I highly recommend. Um, and I watched them all. I bought all of his videos. He's got that thing where you can do it in a month, and he's got the thing where you can just buy them all. So I just bought them all. And I think I watched them all in three or four days. And there's like 11 or 12. And I wrote notes, and I sent it out our team, and we made some changes, and it really, really, really did help. So if you're in a... You know, if it's a financial stall or if it's a attendance stall or if it's a systems stall, try to go and learn as much as possible from the people that are doing it well. Because once again, those um, times where God has pressed the pause button, as I look back, they were opportunities to um, grow as an organization. I'll tell you another thing, Stacey. Um, God slowed, and I do a whole talk on this in my leadership intensive, um, that's already full, so I shouldn't be talking about it. Uh, a lot of times, God doesn't let you uh, grow because you couldn't handle it personally. Like wow. your life is all out of whack. You are um, burning both ends of the candle. You are, you know, getting up at six, going to bed at one at night, living off of caffeine, energy drinks, and and God just didn't wire you to do that long term. 
And so back in 2009, 2010, the growth of our church really slowed down. And it was one of the greatest blessings um, that I personally have ever had to deal with because I had to stop and come face to face with depression and anxiety. Um, and it was something that I wrestled with then. I wrestled with it um, even today still a little bit. And uh, But it was in that season that I was allowed to get healthy. And out of that season, you know, our church just exploded. And if it would have exploded while I was unhealthy, it would have killed me. Yeah, wow. So rather than get mad at the meantime, we need to trust that the Lord has a purpose for us in that meantime and that He's going to lead us and guide us through it. I love that. Proverbs 13, 12 says this, um, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So Perry, as we get ready to close out today's podcast, what would you say to someone who is listening who feels like their heart is literally sick because they've been in a meantime for longer than they've expected? Yeah, one of those things is, so I think it's, I think it's John chapter 6. And the, the, the miracle of Jesus walking on the water, if I'm not mistaken, and if I am, I'm sure somebody will let me know, but I'm pretty sure that's, if that's not in all four Gospels, it's in three of the four Gospels. But I'm pre- pretty sure Jesus walking on the water after he fed 5,000 is on all four, in all four Gospels. But in John 6, I don't remember the exact verse, but I remember in John 6, the disciples are in the middle of the lake, and they're rowing, and they're rowing, and they're rowing, and they, all that stuff, and then Peter, and all, that, all those other things happen. But then the Bible specifically says that as soon as Jesus got in the boat, they immediately made it to the shore. And it was like they're halfway in the middle of the lake, but as soon as Jesus got in the boat, they immediately made it to the shore. Once again, not trying to over-spiritualize everything, but I'm just saying when you get during a time where you feel like you're fighting just to stay alive and you're fighting just to keep adrift, you're fighting to keep the boat on top of the water, um, it's a great time to look around and see what Jesus might be personally saying to you. Because when Jesus gets in the boat, you always get to where you're going. And so it's a great opportunity. Sometimes we get so busy in ministry that we forget to include Jesus in the decisions that we do. And it all comes back to Jesus saying um, a couple things that's just been really heavily on me lately. Jesus said, they'll know you're my followers by the way you love one another. And so one of the things that God can show us in those times is maybe the way we're treating people isn't the way he wants us to treat people. Maybe the way we're treating circumstances isn't the way that he wants us to treat circumstances. So anytime God pushes that pause button, for me personally, it's always been a great time for me to stop and evaluate how my personal relationship with Jesus is because your personal relationship with Jesus will impact your leadership in ways that you could never imagine. So... That's one of those things I would say, everybody, stay in there, stay in the game. Hashtag I love Stacy for the free book, only if you're from Oz, and uh, hang in there. The best is yet to come. Awesome. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to the February edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We look forward to having you tune in next month.